hey folks welcome well, here we are the not necessarily mad podcast with me eric collinsworth and gb meyer So thanks for joining us. On this episode, GB and I look into the idea of the Margaritaville effect, when one hit overshadows other great songs from an artist. So let's get right to it. Well, hey, GB. Hey, Eric. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are Good. you doing? You know, it, I am doing extremely well, man. It's uh, we're finding the uh, the high water mark of the new normal. I think of, of figuring out how things are going, and it's uh, yeah, just have to take stock and go. Okay, this is what it is, and I'm I'm good to go. Taking stock is not a bad thing. I got out of the house and was able to take stock of just how nice it is to be um, down the road in Shenandoah National Park over the weekend right and uh it's not that i would ever have turned my nose up at that it's a wonderful thing but there was something very uh nice about taking stock of being off of wi-fi being out of cell range and saying this is it i'm going to read some paper pages and i'm just going to really uh get into being outside for a minute yep it's uh it's it's a nice break so uh, we, we we had a discussion, and uh, mm-hmm. you, you and I usually chat a little bit after our after our sessions. Again, for for those that haven't figured it out, we're because of the of the virus situation. Um, GB and I are not in the same room ever, <laughs> ever, uh, ever. I'm in uh, Southwest Virginia near Smith Mountain Lake, and you are where? Uh, I am in Loudoun County near the Dallas Airport. Okay, so north Northern Virginia, Northern no- Virginia, Nova, as, Nova, as we as we refer to it, and uh, when when you and I have a chance to either do the recording for the podcast or or we'll chat about what we're going to talk about, usually happens before or after the podcast recording. And in last week, we kind of hit on something that kind of tickled both of us a little bit. We're like, hey, that's okay. It really stuck in my head this yeah, particular yeah, yeah. one. So. Uh, we're going to refer to it as the Margaritaville effect, and you know, there's a there's a joke uh, that's not such a joke anymore. I've I've actually seen posters and and have been warned. You know, there are certain songs that bars and restaurants just don't want to hear anymore. The workers there, uh, Wagon Wheel, <laughs> um, Mustang Sally, Keep Your Hands to Yourself. You know, all these songs that everybody comes in and does. And uh, you and I were talking about it. It's like, okay, what happens when you get that one, like the example we bring up is Margaritaville, where if I ever have to sing Margaritaville again, I, you know, I just, I don't want to, <laughs> you know? Sure. And, and w- what, what happens to us musically, you know, in that in that moment it's just like oh my god i just can't i can't i can't and and it got me to thinking and this is what you and i were talking about is what happens when you have that hit and people only know you for that hit sure sometimes uh, as i was as i was looking back on this sometimes a singer songwriter gets obscured um you know and it won't necessarily be one song it might be two um but the success of that one or two is enough to really hide the 
capability, the talent, the contribution, the other things that uh, more than a passing familiarity of that singer-songwriter will bring. And honestly, as I thought about it, it was hard for me to square the circle of a better example. I like the fact that you called it the Margaritaville effect. Um, I think right, he, because I mean, he had great. He's he's a clever songwriter, man. He writes clever songs, and I think he gets the the wrong end of the of the the raw end of the deal. I guess it would be. Um, because of, you know, everybody hates Margaritaville. Well, what, well they, what, they don't hate it, but I mean, it's just like it's it, ubiquitous. It's certainly a known quantity. And honestly, when you brought it up, this is what I thought was so compelling about it. When you brought it up, you said, well, you know, Jimmy Buffett. And I immediately was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said, well, how about a song like Come Monday? And I know that song. I'm more than familiar with it. And I just hadn't even challenged my own bias on this before and I was thinking you know that's absolutely right I hadn't looked at it that way he really is obscure he is a very clever songwriter I mean I caught what you were saying in a, in a in an instant right so then when you were like well I think it's a real effect I think others have it too and I was like okay well you know who else has got that and I thought of a couple but I don't know if any of them land quite as squarely as Jimmy Buffett does as being um, troubled by this um, I, I am intrigued. I'm, 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 I'm all aghast and with abated breath. Okay. Well, all right. So I'll, I'll start with one that I think is, um, in some ways, even maybe a, t a tad comparable, and that's Warren Zevon. Werewolves in London. Werewolves in London. So that was such a song in 1978. It was a big thing. Right. And i think without that song a lot of people wouldn't even know who warren zevon is and and you you have tunes that are again so cleverly written like lawyers guns and money right right a lot of clever stuff but also even he even though he was just often playful and he was known for his sense of humor i mean that's why david letterman had him on the show so often right um his songs also have a, a great deal, can have a great deal of, of sweet, sweetly expressed sentiment without being saccharine or cloying. Which is, which is a very hard thing to do uh, musically. I mean, as a musician, because you can, you can dip into that sweetness. Uh, it almost becomes like a colloquialism for sweetness and, <laughs> yeah. and, and you can't, you can't not do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think that Warren Zevon certainly lands as a singer-songwriter. He's a known quantity with a well-defined story. He's not a one-hit wonder, um, and he does have a song that's of a, a phenomena that really could and probably does larger uh, obscure a larger body of his work. Um, I don't know if it quite lands quite as hard as the Margaritaville effect. He was about, I think, maybe the closest I could come. I started, I started strong. Um, I have another one for you. Okay. Um, Towns Van Zant. I can see that. Yes. Okay. So, I think that it's not nearly as pronounced. But here's why I included him. Most people, if you say Towns Van Zant, they'll know either. Um, Poncho and Lefty or Dead Flowers. Right. Particularly Dead Flowers. 
But if you're going to hear a Towns Van Zandt cover, speaking of Wagon Wheel, or, oh yeah, we cover Towns Van Zandt, you're going to hear one of those two songs. Right, exactly, yeah. Uh, now, I think that maybe it's not quite the same thing, because I think both of those songs are are smart and uh, inventive. and oh, They're clever as hell. Yeah. They and, really are. And they're I mean, and very characteristic of his other songs, too. So... You know, um, but I think of songs like Greensboro Woman or um, Mr. Um, Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold. Um, you, you know, even um, just some of his even sadder ones, too. To Live is to Fly. So, yeah, I mean, so I think that he has such a body of work, and I don't think that he was necessarily obscured by the success of those. And so that would maybe be a little bit different than Margaritaville. It's not like Towns Van Zandt is a household name to your radio listening public. Right. Well, you know, and as I was thinking through this, mm-hmm. there, w- there was one that came to mind that has had, uh, I don't want to say it's a redemption story so much as he was just really young. And that was John Mayer. Oh, yeah. Because he had those, those bubblegum pop hits like Daughters and, you know, Your Body's a, what was that? Your Body's a Playland? Your Wonderland. W- Wonderland, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which shows you how much I was into John Mayer, <laughs> but I said, you know, and when Daughters came out, I was like, all right, this cat's got some. He's got some guitar skills because he did the the um, about the same time he did the commercial for the Volkswagen that he had the auxiliary plug that he plugged his guitar in and used the 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 car itself to play the guitar, and I'm right. just like, oh this dude's all right he's got something going on so i watched the, the he did a tv special or concert videoed concert of some sort and it was his trio and they were bad i mean bad to the bone bad and i'm just like okay this is surprising and this cat's not getting the love as a guitar player because he writes these saccharine sweet pop hits that everybody you know the the soccer moms go for you know and and you're just like okay and then all of a sudden he's with playing with uh dead and company and and you're just like how how did we get from there to here but it you know he's he's an immensely talented guitar player musician and it's just such a dichotomy of what he's doing now to what he did then and still what he does he still writes these really good pop tunes i think he's a fantastic example but i'm going to ask you a question okay do you think that he has the same um level of lasting um uh Oh, I don't know the right word for it. Do you think that there's the same amount of uh, of being obscured, as it were? I, I, had he continued in the vein that he was in, yeah, maybe, right. maybe. But once he made that step to the jam scene and playing playing with Dead and Company, that kind of changed everybody's opinion of him. Uh, all of a sudden, everybody's going, "Oh, dude can play guitar." and play it really 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 well i mean he's 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 on point i mean just and i i find it kind of refreshing because the the dude lived lived a musical life that most of us would love to have a couple of radio hits i'd be happy 
Sure. So um, the the real world, my, you know, I just found out there's no such thing as a real world. That song was completely ubiquitous. You couldn't get away from it. But there's right. so much that's happened in the, what, 18, 20 years since that song was out. Sure. Um, so he may have he may have been the best candidate for the Margaritaville effect, but I think he's escaped it a little bit. I, I think so, because it, it, it put him on a pedestal that he could not he could not have reached there without doing what he's doing now yeah and he he went from being a guy that's really good on the guitar that had had some top 40 hits to the guy that everybody wants to say yeah that's 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 the way to do it yeah i have another one and this one is uh i don't know it might it, it, well, all right so this one might make it a little squirmy but I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. Just gonna come at you with it. It's Jeff Buckley. Oh, okay. All right. So here's my thought, and it's sad that not long after he found such uh, success um, with his album Grace, that you know he he drowned tragically. Right. But he is absolutely known for a song that's not his. Uh, it's what put him on the map, which is Hallelujah. And now there's, of course, there's articles on Wikipedia or wherever else. Uh, there's, you know, there's little movies on YouTube about the story of Hallelujah and how that song came to be. It was, you know, the uh, the never ending uh, poem that uh, that. Um, oh, come on. Leonard Cohen. My gosh. <laughs> I've got to find out what was in my dinner tonight. Wow. Leonard Cohen. Uh, took years writing Hallelujah, and it had a very, very weird, circuitous route until where it finally landed uh, in the form of uh, a vinyl record on Jeff Buckley's lap. And he was just a struggling um, gig musician, singer-songwriter in New York, and he happened to play that. And it, it brought him some recognition, and next thing you know, he was a, a signed artist. And that's how his record, Grace, came to be. Um, now, this is where he's not really, I think, quite the candidate for the Margaritaville effect. He's not a known quantity with a well-defined body of work, even if a very well-defined well story. Right. And now, I think he's more than a one-hit wonder. Um, and I think that understanding what he had to offer as a singer-songwriter is tremendously obscured by the success of that one song. Um, but I don't think he's quite at the level of John Mayer. Um, all right, so I'm going to appeal to your bass player sensibilities, and I'm going to see if this one lands with you. I'll just say the name. You tell me if this lands at all. Okay. Les Claypool. Um, again, see, that's sort of along the lines of the mayor th kind of thing. If you talk to, the, like, part of the musicians I hang out with are all into the jam scene. Uh, the Lock and Festival is a big draw here in our area, and everybody that I hang with in that crowd, you know, ends up there. And you know, he's he's made the festival rounds, and people have seen him. the The thing I think that is different about that is he is of a certain level of respected musician in the jam scene as opposed to the guy that wrote the theme to South Park. 
<laughs> right. You know, if you ask a certain person who Les Claypool is, that's where they're going to go. And if you ask another person who Les Claypool is, oh, Oysterhead and Primus and yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I, I don't know that, again, he has a great story and there's a lot of great music and but I don't know that he has the body of work that the the uh, the pop side of the music world would understand. You and I agree. So in my notes, as I thought it through, I was like, you know what? He's a great example, but he did escape it a little bit, and he's also kind of niche. Yeah, very very much so. Um, so along those same lines, I'm kind of curious, and this kind of came to me as we're discussing this, you know, James Taylor is, I would say, a contemporary of of Jimmy Buffett. They they both started having the the hits within a couple of years of each other. Um, why didn't why didn't we go that same route with like the James Taylor tunes? He do, it, it doesn't seem that he he gets the Margaritaville effect like Jimmy Buffett does. That's an interesting question. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of him while putting this together. So that makes for an interesting contrast because he certainly is not someone who's suffering from that effect. No, um, he has a very signature style of playing. Uh, you know, with that, uh, with that uh, clean finger picking that he stuck. does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is it maybe because some of his early success was not were not songs that were actually his, and he was able to pull and interpret things like "How Sweet It Is" and "Handyman." That's and you got a friend. That's part of it, but I, you know, even you know, you hear "Fire and Rain," you hear, um, you know, um, "In My Mind I'm Going to Carolina," you know, all the you know the the, the James Taylor greatest hits, and everybody everybody knows them. I mean, everybody has heard them before. They can probably sing at least part of it along with the record. And it just seems that one person falls on the side of, oh, and the other person's like, yeah, no, this is good stuff. And, and you know, blah, 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 blah. And I, 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 I don't have an answer for it. I thought maybe, it'd be, <laughs> you know, it's like, why, why, why was he different in, in having a similar hit? I mean... I think that part of the reason why the question lands so well with me is there is something very um, uh, familiar in the story and persona of Margarita Ville and the song that is Jimmy Buffett, even if it obscures him, even if he suffers from the effect of that one song. Oh, he's suffering all the way to the bank, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're not crying for him. No. No, it's a painful effect. I mean, he's opening he's opening up retirement homes based on on the song. So I mean, he's 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 doing okay with it. He's made his piece, <laughs> right? But similarly, James Taylor has a you know, there's a bit of who he is in the flavor of his singing and songwriting and how he delivers with the you know Carolina in my mind down on Copper Line. These I'm from North Carolina and you know it, right? Kind of. Uh, uh, hints in who he is and how he how he presents himself so that's a great question he didn't he he absolutely hands down is not inside of the effect of that no at all so 
as as I was coming up with it, I didn't have nearly the success of of coming up with examples that you did. But what I did have was um, a couple of thoughts on bands that I thought, oh, that's a great tune, and there was such a disappointment when you listen to the rest of their stuff. Kind of in that same vein of that one song ruined them one way or the other. You know, and maybe the it's that one hit wonder kind of idea. But um, I was thinking like Sugar Ray with Fly. That mm-hmm. tune was all you heard in '97, and it's 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 a great, it's a catchy pop tune. And then you find out that they're a nouveau metal band, <laughs> right? And I, I tried so hard to like it, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, um, yeah, okay. So every now and then, uh, I think an artist will be captured as sounding a particular way by a song that gets uh, radio play um, that really doesn't reflect their greater body of work at all. Like Margaritaville certainly doesn't land too far from the mark. No. But but Fly and Sugar Ray, I mean, that's absolutely out of the, it's like in a different zone. Yes. Um, you know, so I've I've mentioned uh, I've mentioned Suzanne Vega before. I think she actually is maybe a little bit, not quite as egregious, but a little bit in that space too. I I, I agree with you on that because I mean, as soon as you mention her name, uh, I'm living on the second floor. You know, <laughs> and and that's you know that's the first thing that comes to mind is is was it Luca? Yeah, she had. Yeah. So she has two songs that are, are, I think, well known. One is Luca, which was produced with very a very strong. We got to get this lady on the air kind of uh, approach in the late eighties, and I mean, I, I think that the production of it sounds that way. And then the other one is uh, Tom's Diner, which is her singing a song a cappella about I'm sitting in the morning and the man is pouring the coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, some DJs mixed in a beat and next thing you know, it was a, a top 40 hit. Um, so most people would know that one. Um, the interesting thing is she's not in any way... Um, uh, she she is a very she's a very pleasant singer to listen to and her and her uh, her lyrics are so thoughtful and she writes like the Manhattanite poet that she is. But what what she sings and, and and how she presents it really are not like those two songs at all. Neither one of those really like land close to uh, her other her other body of work. So I get it. There are other ones that are, if you will, not full Margarita Ville effect, but it's almost like uh, the tour and the brochure didn't line up. Exactly. It's um, it, it's it's an it's an odd thing, and I and I know why it happens because money. I mean, right. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's the only way to explain it. I will play polkas for money. I mean, <laughs> musicians are some strange folks. Oh, you want me to wear country wear and boots and a hat to do this song? Sure. Okay. But I'm a heavy metal guy. Oh, oh, oh okay. All right. Yeah. And then you got a hit and all of a sudden you're, you're the metalhead country guy. And it, it, there, I mean, Let's face it. If if it gets you a chance to get your music out there, you're going to take any chance you can. <laughs> I mean, this is the way the way it is. So I had I had one interesting one, 
and it and it's it's sort of like another one of those redemption type situations mm-hmm. um do you know who rupert holmes is i don't think i do yes you do you just don't know you do the pina wait I, he wrote the pina colada song pina colada that's it right so he took all that money that he made off of that to, and continues to make off of that tune at this point and he wrote a broadway musical called the mystery of edwin drood it was based on the unfinished book by dickens so it's it's set in that time period uh the cool thing about it is because it was unfinished um the the audience gets to carry on that idea by voting on specific characters like who the criminal is who the love interests are who the hero is uh through an audience participation vote so it's 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 unfinished each night which is a really cool concept um but he he despises the pina colada song and he said but it got me a tony (laughs) and a lot of money yes oh god it it is it and it's a, it's a great show uh i was in college and had the opportunity to do the first virginia production of it at roanoke college and i think it was like 89 or 90 and it's a it's a it's a really good piece of work and then you realize that this is a guy that says if you like pina colada <laughs> getting <laughs> called in the ring you know and you're just like oh oh okay okay so that takes me in the direction of an of another idea of the margaritaville effect okay um so i thank you for that example because i was just thinking the pina colada song is one of the most uh it's it's one of the it's one of the most terrible brain worms you'll ever suffer Eric. <laughs> yes so is the song called come on eileen mm. which is dexie and the midnight riders right it? yeah that's right dexie's midnight runners which is actually uh, the the uh, the singer songwriter band outfit for Kevin Rowland. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Rowland is quite he, uh, he he's quite the singer songwriter. I would say if you if you want to bop around music histories on YouTube or whatever else, there's plenty to review. Uh, there was uh, a record that came out in the mid '80s around 1985 by Dexie's Midnight Runners called Stand Me Down mm-hmm. um, that was phenomenal. You'll find it on people's lists of one of the best albums from the 80s that you haven't listened to. But I'm going to tell you, when you listen to anything else by him, you're trapped. You're trapped by the sound of the guy who sings Come On Eileen because he's got a very dis- distinct voice, right. and that's all you hear. Now, I don't know that he's been able to... Uh, transition the success of that one song into a uh, Broadway play although I think there are people who would go and see it if he did yeah <laughs> yeah right exactly exactly do you have anyone else that comes to mind you know there were there were a couple like I wanted them to be successful and I wanted to go out and listen to the rest of their stuff and go yeah that's cool and it just I was on the nickelback wagon for a while and it was like, all right, these guys are, are doing doing it like they want to do it. This is really cool. And then you realize that it all sounded the same. And I'm just like, oh, okay. 
and 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 when we we talked about the effect and i i do think that when you get these and they nobody ever has a one-hit wonder anymore it seems it's like they can string together two or three good songs over time and again you're not looking you're looking at a time where we're not doing complete albums like we used to do and and a year and a half you know out on tour supporting that and then going back and recording right right the analytics are too strong today and the data is too available so they'll do a one-hit wonder with the two-song echo exactly so you're going to get three out of that one and and it, it's almost like you want them to succeed at it but then then you listen to it and it's like okay they 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 did really well on those three songs but that's about all they've got in their tank and and that and you wonder how much of that first hit it was strong enough to spawn two more did that become their downfall did that become their own little mini margaritaville effect huh. right the, the the miniature version yeah 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 you don't yeah. have a lot of success but you've got you've got a very focused bit of success and it's going to ruin you for anything you do for the next 10 years interesting so you may have uh you may be touching on this mini effect this mini margaritaville effect that i think i should be looking out for is probably what's ahead not quite as strong and pronounced and in sharp relief as the margaritaville effect in itself but if you take it on the scale it's probably going to be close in a mini form and and i think that you know that's part of the new norm that we're looking at for a lot of things is scale um and and i'm looking that in 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 music it's like you're you're not able to go out on tour if you're a touring musician you're not able to you know do the bar and restaurant scene for the most part if you're a local you know weekend warrior and if you're like me somewhere in between you're you're i'm you know i'm struggling to find you know the gigs to carry me through you know they're they're happening but not not like they used to be and right and i think we've we've compressed scale in that way it's like okay everything is now what used to be this large is now down to this and i think we'll we'll see that compression across a lot of a lot of venues and ideas and and businesses at this point and i don't think that recorded music on the professional like superstar level is going to be any different i mean what it would nobody can tour so you're going to just kick out studio after studio track after studio track after studio track at this point. Right, everything coming in fast cycles. Yes, exactly, because there's, no, there's nothing to do in between now. It's like, uh, well, I would normally go out for six to eight weeks to support this. Mm. <laughs> uh, I can't go nowhere. Let's do another tune. And as we wrap up this episode, we want to thank those that have chosen to listen. Let your friends know that they can find the Not Necessarily Mad podcast in most places that you find your favorite podcast, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Pandora, and many others, as well as our home at madfamworld.com. You can find a complete list of our podcast outlets, links to things we discuss, photos and extra podcast content on our Facebook page. Search for the Not Necessarily Mad podcast there. Stop by and give us a like. Stay safe. Stay safe.